Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. I'm your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you as always, episode 48 coming at you. I'm going with Jacob DeGrom on this one, the DeGrominator, best pitcher in the league. Actually, I believe today is the anniversary, the seven-year anniversary of when he first started for the Mets against the Yankees. Had, uh, I believe, seven, seven innings, one earned run, which is basically what he's done every start since. Impressive. I'm joined by my co-host, Jolan Bioqua. Jolan, welcome. Number 48, uh, I'm going to go with Bud Dupree. Obviously out of Kentucky, All-SEC in 2014. Drafted the Steelers in 2015. Had a pretty good career there until he tore his ACL. Now with the Titans, we hope he rebounds. Bud Dupree, number 48. Yeah, you got other interesting ones. Torrey Hunter, uh, War 48. If you're a NASCAR guy, Jimmy John- guy or gal, Jimmy Johnson, the 48-7 championships. Uh, unprecedented in the sport. But we're going to keep it rolling here, Joanna. You know, again, we came off Mother's Day last weekend, uh, rolling into this episode. And the NFL, you know, they did what they do best, stay in the limelight, and uh, they released the schedule. I think it's kind of losing a little bit of, a, of its touch. ESPN does the whole schedule release, but every team's allowed to release their schedule beforehand. It makes no sense in the world, completely defeats the purpose of having the night show. Um, but nonetheless, we get the schedules. And there's, uh, you know, obviously there's some eye-popping games and uh, some eye-popping schedules all around. So let's just jump right into them, start breaking them down. Let's start at the top, the toughest schedules in the NFL next year. It actually starts with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now it's funny because last year they're number 32 in schedule toughness. Obviously they flipped the entire script. Now number one, is this Steelers team competent enough to make the playoffs with a 17-game season now with an old quarterback with a deteriorating line, is this team in a good position with the toughest schedule in football to still be relevant? Yeah, I'm going to say I don't think they get to the postseason, but again, like obviously injuries and stuff like that. And it probably, if you rolled the tape back, I probably said the same thing last year, and they ended up winning that division. I think that's the whole reason their schedule has flipped, is that division is a lot tougher now this year. We saw what the Browns do. I expect the Browns to be better this year. I think they had a terrific offseason, great draft. And uh, so expect them, expect them to kind of take a leap. And we know what the Ravens are. You know, we know what kind of team we're going to get out of John Harbaugh and his staff. So you know, Lamar Jackson has to continue to move forward in the right directions for that team to be successful. And so you know, you look at that division. That's I think that's in part why. And I'm sure some of the other divisions they're playing are probably tougher as well. Um, but you know, I think the Steelers. Again, I don't have a lot of confidence in them right now. I still see massive holes on that offensive line. But, you know, that's definitely something we have to continue to watch as rookie minicamp happens, minicamp happens, and uh, the season rolls on. Well, something fun to note is Mike Tomlin has never been under 500 in his career. Now, good possibility he ends up there because of 17 games. You can't go even. But that brings us to our next team, and it makes Mike Tomlin's achievements all that more impressive. The Ravens, John Harbaugh. You already alluded to Lamar Jackson and him needing to grow. They have the second toughest schedule in the league. Let's just talk about them real quick in playoff format as well. Can this team make a deep run, or has Lamar Jackson kind of hit his ceiling and have teams figured out what the Ravens are doing? No, I think there's definitely another level for Lamar to get to, and you could see it. And, and again, it's it, we're not at the point now where it's like he can't throw. Like That's not the discussion. The discussion is can he be a good enough passer to win, to win his team football games, right? Like you can be a good, 
because that's what he's going to be asked of based on his weapons. Cleveland, like, again, we go back to them, look at Baker Mayfield. He doesn't have to win games with his arm because he's got so much talent. He's just got to make a few, probably four or five, exceptional throws a game. Lamar has to do more because of what's around him. And, again, it's not it's not bad what's around him. It's just you lack that big-time receiver that, you know, but now you get Rashad Bateman in there with Hollywood Brown. Hopefully you, you hope that can... Still hasn't stepped on the field, though. Right. Not Still hasn't ourselves. stepped on the field yet. So, you know, you're just waiting for Lamar Jackson again. to. He's got to win games for his team with his arm. I think he's capable of doing it. And if he can, this team's going to go far. Again, where did he struggle? In the cold in Buffalo last year, he's got to improve on that. And now we wrap up the top three hardest schedules with the Bears here. Now, it's interesting. They have no first-round pick next year. They have their quarterback and what they say is their guy. Is this team in trouble if they don't perform well this year? Well, I think anytime you draft a quarterback who's expected to be, as one of my Bears fan friends called it, the savior, if he is not the savior... You know, again, like this whole move, and, and everybody said it on draft day, it was a desperate move. Why? Because Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are on their last limb. They are literally holding on for dear life. And this is their last rodeo, and it, they, they want to make it at least a successful one, you know, if they get the boot next year. But Justin Fields is the key to success. It's the quarterback position. It's the key to success in Americans in, in, in the NFL and you mentioned the Giants lurking there, hoping Chicago lives up and has, you know, a bottom three year. You know, they hope Justin Fields struggles because they own their first-round pick next year. So, uh, you know, the, the Bears got a lot going on. That division obviously gets tougher if Aaron Rodgers stays in it. And uh, it actually becomes almost impossible to me uh, that they win that division if Aaron Rodgers stays in it. But if he doesn't, it's a wide-open game. Because the Lions aren't a threat, uh, Minnesota's very yeah. They they're not sexy, you know. They 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 were very up and down. That defense needs to improve, and you know at that point, Jordan Love, what would he be? Or Blake Bortles? We'll talk about that a little bit later. You know what would the Packers be at that point? So maybe that's where Chicago can go, but uh, they they need they are desperate right now. I think that's the word. Uh, much around Chicago. Let's get into the thick of it in the middle of the draft toughness schedule. Um, the Jets right here are at 14. Now, it's not more about the quarterback and Zach Wilson. This is more about Rob Sala. Is a first-year head coach going to make the playoffs with all this hype, with all these new draft picks? Is this the year the Jets turn it around, or is year one too difficult of a wall to climb right now? No, I mean, I think in terms of playoffs, I wouldn't, you know, playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? playoffs? <laughs> you know, I think, Classic. I think they're... Uh, I don't I don't see them as a postseason team. And again, like the pressure on Zach Wilson to me it is all there because there are Jet fans that love that dude to death, that love that dude more than any quarterback they've taken and wasted the past few years. So, uh, you know, but Rob Sala, you know, that defense, it, it should be much improved. If they're improved, maybe not to the level that Sala had in San Francisco, but if they're improved, I think even in the slightest, I think, Jolan, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility they can win somewhere between six games, seven games maybe, you know, shock some people. Because, again, there's still that effect of when they roll into town, people are going to be like, oh, it's the Jets. You know, we, we, we've all had those games as athletes where we roll, oh, it's just X. 
and Team X decides to, you know, play the greatest game of their lives, and it makes it a lot harder on you. You know, that's just unfortunately the way it is. So I think the Jets could squeak out six wins, seven wins this year. Uh, likely, I wouldn't go that far yet, but I think as we sit here today in May, it is definitely a possibility Robert Sala is going to have that defense much improved. Let's go to the team that's been at the top of the NFL right now for about three or four years, even with Alex Smith. The Kansas City Chiefs have the 20th toughest schedule in the NFL. A whole new revamp line. Is this team reloaded for the Super Bowl? I, I think they are. That offensive line, on paper, if they can gel, uh, is going to be one of, if not the best offensive line in football. When you look at how much talent they have on that on that offensive line, which was the whole reason, you not the whole, you can make an argument, that's why they won the Super Bowl last year. Because Mahomes was pressured on basically every snap. He ran, we saw the stat, he ran like 450 yards before he even threw the ball. Basically sideways. You know, so yeah, so I think they addressed the one area of major concern, you know, and now it's just shoring up other positions, finding, you know, uh, more ways to use Tyron Matthew, finding ways to establish a run game for once, you know, finding different ways to get everybody involved. But uh, I think this Chiefs team is really reloaded. But again, you know, one of those things where like their division is getting better. You know, so I think that's why it seems like they may have had a harder schedule, you know, than when you first look at it. You know, Herbert's in that division now two times a year. Uh, he, he showed to be well. Now, again, I'm not picking any of these teams to beat the Chiefs, but they're there and it makes it a little bit tougher. We continue with another team that basically has all the ammunition on their side. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have the second or third easiest schedule, depending on where you look. But Tampa Bay brings back all 22 after a Super Bowl run unprecedented. Obviously, Bruce Arians has one thing on his mind. It's to repeat. Is this team in a good position to beat the Chiefs? Because I think they're the favorites. They are They are in a position I think we haven't seen a a defending champ be in in a long time. First Giants of all, won nine straight in 2008. I'm just for, throwing that out there. Right, and they were going to win the Super Bowl that year. Injuries. Until, yeah, not injuries, until Plaxico stepped into that bar with the gun we and then shot himself. injuries over here. Okay, sure. <laughs> Um, and then Antonio Pierce lied about it. Uh, you know, that was that was a whole nother thing. But, I again, even much more than that, I think, you know, we've never seen a team bring back all 22 starters. They bring all their all their leading snap guys and stuff like that. It's it, Basically, everybody's coming back. And they get the second easiest schedule in the league. I mean, you know, they it, it's not writing on the wall, but it's a, it seems like a nice gift to Tom Brady. Now, week four is going to be interesting because that's when he goes back to Foxborough. Uh, and they, they said based on how much how many yardages, how much yardage he's behind Drew Brees and his average per game last year, he would break Drew Brees' all-time passing yards record. Drew Brees obviously retired now, so they're not going to keep flipping. Um, that could happen. That would happen based on the numbers in week four at Foxborough, which... I mean, it would be quite the moment now, wouldn't it? Like, you know, but you heard Tom this week, right? He said, he said, oh, it's now it's like going to show my high school friends, my college friends. I'm like, whoa, you wait won. a minute. You were, there t- you were in high school for 20 years? Really? Those guys are his What brothers. happened, Tom? You know, so, but no, they, they are in a, I think the best position we've seen to repeat going into a season that we, that I think we've ever seen. Because again, we knew that giant team would be good the year after. I don't think anybody saw undefeated, you know, going uh, late, you know, going into week ten, and obviously being great late through the season. 
you know, but I think going into the year, Tampa Bay is in a prime position. Now, when you look at the bottom half, and it's funny we mentioned the Giants and their start, the NFC East has all four teams in the bottom seven, I believe. Now, it's interesting because it comes straight down to the wire. Washington football team has five straight games in the division to end their season. Philly has five of six to end their season in the division. Dallas has four of their last five in the division. And the Giants have last three of the four. Is this going to decide, well, it's obviously going to decide the NFC East, but what do you think teams have to do to stay on track? This may be sit some guys early in games that don't matter, or do you have to drive through the season and basically have your playoffs start week 13? Honestly, I think you're looking at it as every game's got to matter, you know, in the NFC East, because, again, you can go push early in the season, win enough of those non-divisional games where those divisional games don't matter. You know, if the Giants go out and win and they're rolling into those last three weeks with 11 wins, you know, again, I think 11 and 6 gets you in the playoffs. Do you, you sick, know? guys? You know, again, it's it's a big question mark, and this is a long season. You know, again, 16 is long enough. People act like one makes it all that much longer. Well, it's 60 minutes longer, technically, of game time. You know, so, Well, and a week of travel, right. and a week of X, and Y, and Z. Tra- yep, exactly. So week away from your family. Right. You know, although, you know, again, it's it's almost more of an extension of the, you know, because the playoffs would be that week and all that. Preseason probably getting, or it has it gotten It is short, and it's yep. three games now, yep. I believe, so that's good, because nobody likes seeing the preseason anyway. Week three. Injury you know, chance, it's yeah. crazy. And, we, and we've seen it all through the years, all different types of guys, but uh, I think the NFC East... Again, like, if I'm the Giants, I'm pushing as hard as I can these first, like, 12 weeks. And, like... Maybe the back half season. I'm trying to... I'm trying to... Obviously, you try to win every game. But, like, I'm really pushing to make a strong push early. And then, again, at the end of the day, those games might not matter. Now, Washington, I expect the Giants to win. Giants have swept them, I believe, the last two years. Uh, you know, so that's been that's been Danny Dimes' place of candy, you know. Instead even of his, with that stacked defense. Even, even uh, you know, despite, you know, where his house of horrors might be, which is seemingly everywhere else. Um, but, you know, again, like I expect the Giants, you know, to be, to be there, you know. And these teams should all be there. And, again, if it's anything like last year, you're damn right. It's going to come down to these last seconds, these last games, because – Listen, if the NFC East is as bad as it was last year, we're in trouble because that those last few weeks, oh, that's going to be torment for the heart. You're going to need a cardiologist on line one. I mean, last year cost Doug Peterson his job in the last couple of weeks, so we can see how it plays out this year. Now, it's interesting you want to talk about teams to compete late in the postseason because the Packers have competed late in the postseason the past two years, but now they're in some trouble. They just signed Blake Bortles. What's that tell you about this Packers team with the new signing of Blake Bortles? Yeah, I'm not worried about Blake Bortles coming in and competing with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, we know that's not going to happen. My concern is the fact that you're not trying to fix your issues with your star franchise Hall of Fame quarterback. We're not talking about a guy like Mitch Trubisky being your quarterback, and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to bring in Jets, Blake Bortles. That's the last second quarterback taken. Yeah, crazy. You were. <laughs> um, but, like, the fact that they're not worried right now about fixing that relationship, bro, first of all, they should be in therapy sessions probably twice a week is what I – if I if I was a psych, psychiatrist uh, or psychologist, I should say, uh, I would advise probably two times a week uh, and, and, like, weekly reports – and then I would back up the Brinks truck to Aaron's house. I'm not backing up any, you know, I'm not giving him a Lambo. No, I'm backing up the Brinks truck to give him his money. 
again, like they need to be focused on keeping Aaron Rodgers happy as opposed to bringing in backup options. And for and we were talking about this in the car ride here. The Jordan Love got drafted in the first round. First round quarterbacks play. Period. But you just signed Blake Bortles, who's likely going to be the backup. There's question marks. I mean, what does it tell you about Jordan Love? It really, it, it scares you. I mean, when good teams know they've whiffed, they move on. It seems the biggest problem now with the Packers is them not wanting to admit they did Aaron Rodgers dirty last year with taking a quarterback in the first round and them not wanting to admit now that they whiffed on that quarterback. You saw it in Arizona. They picked number uh, Josh Rosen at number 10 overall. Famously said there was nine mistakes ahead of him. And the only mistake they did was pick him at 10. So... Kyler Murray, the team moved on. Now they look to be in a good place. Are the Packers tied too much to their ways, or is this team eventually going to move on and Rodgers leave? Uh, it's interesting because, again, like I think the big problem with Green Bay right now is they, they don't want to give them too much power. And why? Well, the whole organization's about not having too much power. They literally run by the public. They literally don't have one you know leader at the top so why would they do that with Aaron Rod- why would they let Aaron Rodgers feel like he can he leads, you know, everything. So I think I he's I think he's going to stay. Um but Do you? I don't think so. I think he's out. I I think I think he's going to stay. I think they find a way eventually. But again, if they don't get moving soon, it's going to be too late. Like it, it it's I think he plays for them next year, but that's on the that's on the basis that they wake the hell up here in a couple weeks and start doing what they have to do uh, instead of waiting. Because if they keep waiting, it's only going to piss them off more. Just to get into how good the NFL schedule truly is, week one, there's a good matchup um, right away. Carolina Panthers take on the New York Jets. Zach Wilson versus presumably Sam Darnold. Um, both of them. Oh, I better be Sam start. Darnold. Matt Rule should be fired if that's but, anybody but Sam Darnold Exactly, starting. but... but when you think about the way they scheduled it, week eight or nine, this might not mean nothing. Because it's week one, right. how important is this game now for the Panthers and the Jets? Oh, I mean, listen, the, the Jets, Jet fans, Jet Nation, whatever they want to call themselves, are going to base the future of the season on this game alone. And they're going to sit there and they're going to, well, you know, we got the better quarterback, guys. Listen, we got the better, you know, all, all this crap. You know, they are going to base their sole opinion of the season on this week one game, and they are going to determine whether Sam Darnold was the right fit or not. And again, I've said this numerous times on this podcast, your situation dictates how you do in this league. We still don't know what Carolina's situation is like. We don't know if it's a good situation, bad situation, what it's like. So, you know, again, like, and then if they lose, you're going to have Jet fans burning Zach Wilson jerseys in the streets of, of Manhattan, and it, it's going to feel like all hell broke loose, you know? So I just, it, it's crazy. But there there are some great games. Like, the Giants, both Monday night games are on the road, but they get to play at Kansas City and at Tampa Bay. Those are great games. You got Cleveland playing Kansas City week one. I think that's a great matchup. So, you know, you run through the list. There's about, there's probably about 25 games you're like, holy crap, like, thank God we get to watch football. You know, like, and then and then obviously through the season, we'll see some different matchups surface as great matchups. We got week four. We got uh, Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. Uh, that'll week be a 16, lot of fun. Trevor Lawrence versus Zach Wilson. Right. So that's going to be that's gonna be great as well. Obviously, we'll see where the teams are at that point. And now there's just one more team I want to talk about in the schedule, and because it's America's team, they start off week one oh, against Tampa no. Bay. But 
Their next nine weeks, they play teams who went last year under 500. Is this Roger Goodell in the NFL throwing Dallas a bone here because they want him to do good in the ratings? They have him week one against the defending Super Bowl champions. Obviously going to draw a number. Is Dallas kind of being helped here? Yeah, but, like, bro, I've seen dogs before. Like, you try to give them a treat, and, like, some of them don't take it. Like, some of them don't take it. And like, every the Cowboys, Cowboys. I mean, every Cowboys fan, even saying there, there were Dak Prescott's coming back, they were 1-5, I think, with him. Yeah. Barring the Falcons his, miracle. His stats were in the second half when they were down 21. I still don't know if they can cover anybody. I still don't know if they can get to the passer effectively enough to win games. Um, and Dak is coming off major injury. He's not coming off a broken toe. He's not coming off, like, a broken index finger, which... Again, are significant injuries, but like compared to what he went through, relative wise, not even close. He's coming off a major, major injury. Um, again, I think he starts week one, but again, is it going to be the same Dak that we saw? Is he going to hold the ball as long? Because if he does, again, he opens himself back up to re-injury. And uh, I got to tell you, it, I think it's one of those situations the NFL might be throwing them a bone. But again, if they if they can't eat it, <laughs> you know, there's. There's your problem. You're screwed. We stay on the topic of re-injury now, but we switch leagues entirely. The NBA. Actually, speaking of injury, I just want to touch real quick Whoa. on the NFL. Jawan James, the offensive tackle from Denver, Ooh, great. got cut this week. Now, here's the scenario. He got hurt working out on his own away from the facility, which is what the NFLPA has fought for to not make these mini camps mandatory and not make it mandatory that they work out of the facility. Now... The league, from what I understand and from listening to some Pat McAfee, who was in the league, it is relatively standard in NFL contracts that if you get hurt away from the facility, the team is not liable. According to him and according to some of the NFL guys he's spoken to, that is relatively standard. Now, the Broncos just openly cut him. Now he's going to file, I believe, a $10 million grievance against the team. And again, I don't know how this is going to work. The owners are going to flip this on the players. See, you guys should come in. It actually happened to Deshaun Hamilton, the receiver from Denver. He was about to get traded. A trade had come up because they have so many wide receivers out there. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, a whole bunch of guys. Up-and-coming guys as well. Yeah, up-and-coming guys. And... They put a trade package together for him, and he was going to be traded within the next 24 hours. He tore his ACL working out away from the facility. Now he's now now he's cut. now he's just got to deal with it or get cut. So you know, again, this goes both ways. You know, the players again, you negotiated the fact that you don't have to come to the facility all the time. But again, I don't want to hear from owners. Oh, so and so should take a pay cut. Or I don't want to hear it from Johnny Big Fan Two Five Nine. These guys should not take pay cuts. These guys should want more guaranteed money, and they should not take pay cuts. You know, so it's it's both both sides of the stick there. I get it, and both sides should be angry. You know, again, I I think both sides have a gripe here, and both sides should be uh should be looking for change. But again, it's just going to end up likely amounting to much of nothing. But, yeah. Uh, I think the NFLPA right now should be more responsible than, than the Denver Broncos. They're openly, actively advocating for these players to sit out and not risk their health. But when you train away from the facility, there's all these questions now. So the NFLPA also has some explaining to do on that end. And 
Well, it's just sad. And if it's standard in a contract, and and I get it, not taking care of it, but then to cut the player right away, I think that's where it starts to get loopy. Or, you know, at least try to, you know, if if you got a player with good relationship to the front office, maybe talk to him. Hey, like, listen, could you guys cover something like 25% of this or 50%? You know, like, try to talk to him at least. And, you know, I, I just, but again, like, I don't think the owners have any interest. Uh, I think the owners are as cold-hearted as this, and boom. Um, and then last thing on the NFL, we there still is not much news about Deshaun Watson. There was rumors they were, he was going to settle with all of them. Then his lawyer came out and said, we have no intention to settle unless everything goes public, which clearly tells you that they believe they have something that's going to make it look very ugly in the public eye and in favor of him. Um, so it's still a very sticky situation. I still don't believe he plays for the Texans if and when he returns to football. Because, again, we've seen this numerous times again. Guys have gotten second opportunities, especially guys that are mega talented like he is. Again, whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, I believe believe he will not be playing in a Texans uniform uh, next year, but wanted to just uh, provide you that quick update. Yeah, I got really no opinion on that, whether he's guilty, innocent, or anything like that. We will see. I haven't read much of the evidence and stuff like that. It feels like it's been pocketed away. Like, I feel like this would be a mega thing on Twitter. You know, again, whatever you believe about Twitter, this would be a mega thing, like all the evidence and stuff like that. And we haven't seen much of anything. It's been relatively quiet. So, again, we, we got to wait and see what, what happens. I just hope he doesn't come to the Giants. That's all I'm going to say about that. We move forward <laughs> to the next league, the NBA. Um, interesting, because the NBA has a little bit of action going on, but it's not the big picture yet. The playing games. Goose, let's talk about them with the return of LeBron James. Yeah, we talked about this last week. LeBron hates the playing games, you know, but again, like that's what I told you. If you got, if, you know, when you get taxed 15%, you know, you're like, oh, okay. And then if you got taxed 25%, you'd be like, oh, this sucks. You know, like when it starts to affect you is when you really start caring about it, whether you hate it or not. And, you know, that's, that's a whole different discussion, but Yes, LeBron is playing um, against the Pacers. I believe he'll probably sit out the back-to-back on Sunday. Um, but, you know, it's good to see him back out there. Listen, he's still the face of the league. Like, it's it's crazy. They've had all this time off of LeBron, eight weeks. It's the Jordan effect. It, he is still the face of the league. He's, he got up and had a huge jam, you know, in his first game back. We'll see if he can stay out there. He's doing commercials, saucing. Yeah, what is that about? Listen, bro, <laughs> like, I think it's still pretty simple, like, Nobody wants to see them if him and AD are healthy. And that's just reality because we saw what that team did with just AD. And AD finally coming back to life. He looked like a shell of himself the first few games he came back. Then kind of found his rhythm. Could have still been nursing some injuries early. And and I think he is now. You know, if you watch him against the Knicks, he's keeled over at every time out. You know, it's not because he's out of wind. He's like legit keeled over from pain. So... If those guys are healthy, Jolan, I gotta tell, like, they play the playing game. I think they they crush. Who the Warriors have to guard Anthony Davis? Like Draymond Green, Draymond. You know, isn't Wiseman hurt? I think he's oh, out the year with a meniscus is. injury. He is. You're right. So like, what are you gonna do? Put Draymond on him? That team's in trouble. Like, it, jo- uh, like unless Dr- Steph goes for six, Draymond will like poke him in the ribs. But like, I think that's about <laughs> it. Kick him. Uh, where the sun don't shine. Oh man. That would be tough. <laughs> But I think they'd win that game, and then then they play either Utah or Phoenix, and I think it'd be Phoenix because it looks like Phoenix is going to be the two. And I listen, Chris Paul has had a magical year. He's Devin, a magical player. They've they've done a great job. 
in a seven-game series with a healthy LeBron and AD, I just don't. I, I can't make that argument for the Suns. Then you look at it. The Clippers intentionally tanked the other night. So, you know, if the if Denver slides into the three with a win over Portland, then you play Denver in the second round. You, Jokic cannot guard Anthony Davis. He doesn't have a hope and a prayer. You, you hope maybe, no maybe Aaron Gordon can. There's no Jamal Murray. Um, you know, I think, you know, that's a series you feel you can win. And then you're either playing probably Utah or the Clippers. And the Clip, you know, again, like I don't think the Lakers at that point Having two series under your belt with healthy guy, I you know you're looking at a Laker team that's that's it, it would be headed in the right direction. Very scary out west. Now we go east. The Sixers first uh, number one seed, first times in 20 years uh, that that is the case. They, Finally, after all these number one picks, Philly's number one. Yeah, it's about time and all these coaching changes, stuff like that. I hate you, Philly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, congratulations to them. Joel Embiid had 100%. a heck of a year. If he played a little bit more, he'd probably win MVP. Jokic is going to win MVP being the lowest draft pick ever. The original was tied at 15. Yep. I believe Steve Nash and Giannis and Jokic was drafted in the second round number uh, 41st. Yep. So that's probably not going to be touched for a while. Um, but we'll see. Uh, and you know, again, Joel had a great year, but again, they still don't feel like the favorite, like the Nets are the favorite. The Nets are starting to get healthy for the Sixers. Um, yeah, I mean, all, I mean, depending on how Joel Embiid does, because the Nets don't have someone to truly guard him. Yeah. If he comes out for seventy-five and looks like the last, like, I don't know, Hakeem, then maybe we'll talk about back-to-backs for them. But, but they're still like they're mentally, they're mentally fragile. I think that's one of the big things you you talk about them, Milwaukee teams that are just not mentally strong right now, as opposed to a team like the Heat. Like, I think that's why a lot of people don't want to see the Heat is because they got a dog in Jimmy Butler. Absolutely. They got a dog in Eric Spolster who's not afraid of any coach. And who's won multiple a, championships and been to the finals. Right. You've got a dog in Bam Adebayo. You've got a dog in Tyler Hero at times. You know, he's a little different and this 30%, year. 30%, yeah. <laughs> right. So, Duncan you know, Robinson can even shoot But again, the ball. like, the Nets, finally all three guys are healthy. I don't care that they've played, like, 15 games together. I still think they're the favorite. I think it's the greatest collection of offensive weapons we've ever seen in this league in terms of how well they can score the ball at will. They can score the ball at will. KD can score anytime he wants. Kyrie's a walking bucket. And James Harden can dish you 45 assists and give you 45 points. This... Like, he's that good. So it, it, it's. I still think the Nets are the favorite. But the Knicks are a great story in the East. Um, you know, and I think that's that's about as far down as you go. And then when you go to the Celtics, they're probably in the playing game. Um, they are in the they playing are, game. They are. They're locked. confirmed now. They're locked in the playing game. No Jalen Brown. He's done for a year with a wrist fracture, I believe. Ugh. So when you look just across the board at the Celtics, I'm going to talk about them for a second. It's almost time for a rebuild. Who are you trading? I don't know. Is it Marcus Smart, heart and soul of the team? Is Brad Stevens on the hot seat? I don't know, but clearly something needs to change for the Celtics or it's going to be dark times especially with the Nets and Sixers playing the way they have Giannis and the Bucks, obviously they're going to be around for a while. I mean, I think that's why ne- people are frustrated change. at Danny Ainge because change. like these guys are just losing value by the day now, mm-hmm. you know, the value, you know, you're talking about a trade with a few draft picks and Marcus Smart for Anthony Davis. If Aaron Gordon then, was the reason, or Marcus Smart, the reason you didn't get Aaron Gordon, there's right, a whole nother problem. Right. Like, you know what? I, and now his value is going down by the day. You may be able to trade him for like JJ Redick. At this point, 
Uh, it's just unfortunate what's going Don't say on. That. <laughs> Don't say that. But uh, but no, I have a lot of I have more respect for JJ Redick than that. I'm sorry. And yeah, we will um, get into more of the NBA next yeah, week. We'll obviously. talk about you know again. I think in the playing game, I think the Lakers and the Warriors win in the West. We talked about this a little bit last week. Um, I think I think the Celtics find a way to get in. And I then, wouldn't bet on it, bro. I, it's hard Who's times. in that eight spot? Oh, it's probably Charlotte. Charlotte. It's Charlotte. Yeah. The Wizards are in the play-in. Yeah, honestly. You know, last week I said I think Boston finds a way to win over Washington. I don't think so Not anymore. the way they've been playing lately. I think, no I, Brown. I think Boston might be out of it. Yep, I agree. They might be out of it, especially with that injury concern. So, uh, I think. Almost yeah, Adam Ainge. We'll, we'll get into some bigger uh, predictions coming up, you know, in the next week. Again, like, it, it's just not fair. Like, we've seen LeBron for like a half. You know what I mean? Like. If he's healthy, that changes every. I think it changes a lot of people's predictions as to who's coming out of what and where they're gonna land. Again, like whether they land one or eight or uh, seven or eight, you know they get to play Utah or Phoenix, which I think again we can talk. I don't think Rudy Gobert can guard Anthony Davis. No, I don't think he can't. I don't think he can stay with them. I mean, he did shut down illegal COVID, but now yeah, they no. now they they both are exceptional defenders. Which would be a lot of fun to watch because Gobert's won, I think, a Defensive Player of the Year. Anthony Davis, I believe, should have won one probably last year or the year before, but um, that would be a fun matchup. And um, it's just a funny fact. We mentioned Duncan Robinson before for that Heat team. He's on pace to be the lowest um, rebounds per game holder ever. So he's on pace for a wow. record low in rebounds. He's not a rebounder. Was it right? point two? Yeah, but it's um with a minimum of two thousand minutes. So wow. there's some qualifications there and Duncan Robinson looks to etch his name in the history books pretty soon. Yeah, well, you know, we talked about Jacob DeGrom before trying to etch his name in the record books as he does seemingly every start. We'll transition a little bit to some baseball talk here. Um, you know, the Mets won seven straight, then they go to Tampa Bay and they start to look like the Yankees. They just can't beat Tampa Bay. Ooh. You know, and the Yankees, I know they took two or three from Tampa this week, but still, uh they it's they, they still look like it's like bro, it's like it, it's their house of horrors. Like it really is. It it is it is like the scariest place for them to go. It's a big analytics team. Yeah. So, but yeah, <laughs> crazy stuff. They went to the World Series with like the lowest. What are they? The Payroll lowest? ever, yeah, probably yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's basically modern day live money ball, is really like what it is. Now the Mets lost today, twelve to five. So that's you know. after leading four to one. So there's trouble again down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, Terrible. not 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 good. It was more of a bullpen game for them, which I hate. I get five starters, throw them out there, looking for Carrasco, Thor to come back. Uh, DeGrom's got to come back. So, And uh, when you look at the Mets, you look at recent trades. Um, oh, no. Yeah. What's his name? Kelnick from the Mariners? So, yeah. Kelnick has hit his first career home run, multi-hit game, three of four, a double. Um, that trade for Cano and Edwin Diaz looks awful by the day, so... If the Mets don't pull a World Series in the next three to four years, that might go down as one of the worst trades in baseball history, barring Kelnick becomes who he becomes. I think it already is up there because, again, Diaz has been he's been okay this year. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been as bad as he has been. Uh, he's actually been pretty decent, I would say. Uh, but Cano's not playing because he tested positive for steroids. So that's not great, and he was basically useless the past couple of years. So uh, naturally, the Mets get fleeced, and we move on, and then you just see the difference in eras. Like 
The Mets got rid of two shortstops to gain one, and it's Lindor. And again, he's not. He hasn't been great. He had a homer today, actually. He's but, a gold now, and that'll be the show. By show, people hit that. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, again, he hasn't been, he hasn't lived up to $341 million yet, but first of all, he's got 10 more years. Nine, technically. He's got nine more years. And we're in May. True. We're so not still, in June. It we're could not, be 10. You know, nine and three quarters. We're not in late July. We're not out. in the middle of a stretch run, and he's going over 28. Like, we're not there yet. So, but, you know, I, I the Mets. They get fleeced. The Will Ponds got fleeced by that entire organization all the time. And I want to talk about one team right now. Yep. The Angels. Uh, Otani, obviously, racking at the plate. He's one been of the, raking. One of the lately. best two-way players the MLB has probably ever seen, if you can keep it up. But another player I want to talk about in the Angels is Mike Trout. Who's in oh, a who's three, that guy? Yeah, he's in a 3-for-22 slump, and his batting average is still 349. Oh, damn. Striking out at an alarming rate, though. He has 10 strikeouts across that stretch. For Mike Trout, yeah, uh, is this signs of trouble for the Angels? Is he regretting that deal, or is it's all right? They're going to get pieces for these guys. They're going to make a push in a couple of years. Listen, the reason he should be upset about that deal is the fact that he, you know, it basically almost guarantees. I mean, not going to the World Series, um, but <laughs> well, they put pieces in play. I, yeah, but I don't know. But I, I'm not worried about him in this slump. Like strikeouts have been up all over Major League Baseball. Uh, people are talking about trying to move the plate back or move the mound back, excuse me, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, strikeouts have been up all over the place. Like Judge Judge had like seven in a row last week. Like I'm not overly concerned. Now, this is another question, and it uh, pertains to the Yankees more and the whole New York market in total. Uh-oh. Remember how LeBron said that the basketball is better when the Knicks are winning? Yeah. Does that pertain to the MLB, Garrett Cole now, with 78 strikeouts, three walks, the Grom obviously having – a repeat Cy Young year, basically. Is it good for baseball that New York pitchers are dominating like this? It's best for the league that New York as a whole is playing good baseball. When you get the Subway Series, you get idiots that will... July 3rd through and not 6th. idiots, but you'll get, you'll get people that will pay a pretty penny to be there. Like, it, it is not, you are not going there for $25 like, the you bleacher, do, yeah. like you do when the Mets play the Pirates. Like, that's not going to happen. I think, you know, baseball is better when both of those teams are good because it creates good competition. And it creates, you know, like, again, like, look who's in the, like, look who's in the AL East. Like, Tampa Bay is not the biggest baseball town, but, like, Florida's decent. You've got New York, and then you've got, then you've got Baltimore, eh. But you got Boston in there. You got a big mark. You got LA. a big market in there. You know. Then you look at the NL East. You've got uh, Atlanta's not a small market. You know, as much as it used to be. I think it was small. You know, I think it's grown a lot. Atlanta has grown entirely. DC, DC's a big market. Philly's a big market. You know, Miami's whatever. But Miami's a bigger market in Florida than you're really going to find anywhere else. It's bigger than Milwaukee. And right. Stuff like that, so, so like, yeah. yeah. So you've got these big markets, and when they're playing well. They're getting more games against these other big market teams, and they're kind of going from there. Now, listen, we did have uh, uh, one of our listeners did call uh, myself and uh, Mr. Moltner out on Twitter this week Uh-oh. Uh, talking about the Red Sox because the Red Sox have been and are leading the AL East. I'm sorry, JT. Um, I do not, again, I do not believe they will finish there. I believe they will finish towards the bottom. However, I'm pretty sure I said something along the lines that they couldn't hit a beach ball if it was rolled to them. Yeah, I said they wouldn't even win 50 games. You know, so, you know, again, like, 
the, we've seen these bad teams have hot starts before, um, you know. But here we are in the middle of May, and you know, again, like if they can make if they can continue to make it work, they'll find themselves in the hunt. You know, that division, you can find yourself easily in the hunt. Yeah, Tobol, Cam, sorry, Red Sox, better than I thought. There, it's on there. You heard it. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how no, they, they continue to have how this season continues. But to they're right. To, for them to have the best record in baseball through even 35 games, 40 games, whatever it was, it's a testament to them being way better, head and shoulders better than where I even thought they'd be. I thought they'd be a last-place team, continue last place through 54, 58, whatever it is, through the third. Then you got the 150, 102, or the 102, and then the 160 stretch. So I thought Boston was going to be last in the pack the whole way. So Yeah, but see, Kudos. I, see I, this is why I'm not overly concerned about that. A couple years ago, the Mets had one of the greatest Mays I think I've ever seen in my life. They then followed it up with a June where they went five and twenty-five, or they went five Don't and twenty. Me. It was statistically the worst June in baseball history. I, we were high-fiving about World Series in May. We were like, "We got this." We had a fourteen-game win streak, I yes, believe. Sir. So again, I'm not. I'm not saying that's going to happen to the. But you can understand why I'm hesitant because as a Met fan, I've seen it happen before. Seen teams get stupid hot Often. and then get as cold as the icebergs from like the 70s, back when there used to be icebergs. Now they're all melted and everything. But it's I, I'm I'm not saying the Red Sox are going to fall off a cliff like that. I'm saying I, I still feel they're going to end up towards the bottom of the AL East. I don't see them winning the AL East, certainly. But they battle. But they battle, and they're there right now. They have a they, they have a great record right now, and they're leading that division. So, credit to them through this first... What a good managing staff. 50 games of the year, whatever it is. You trade so, away Mookie Betts. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the Kelnick trade. You trade away Mookie Betts for paper? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's I, so oof. I still think they're going to regret that. Yeah, they, you know, they regret it to this day, but the, their managers are good to bounce back that way, to be playing they get Cora baseball. back this year? Who? They get Alex Cora back this year as manager. They did, right? I believe so. I believe yes. so, but I mean, there's no trash cans involved now, but <laughs> but still, you know, it's a testament to how hard those guys are working right now to right. wipe away the what would be a Mookie Betts curse. <laughs> I mean, it happened to Babe Ruth, happened to all those guys, but who is who is uh, coaching that team right now? I'm I'm trying to look it up, and I and I believe, um, I believe it's Alex Cora. Regardless, that team that team's going to be... Yeah, it is Alex deep. Corey. He came back, I believe... Didn't they fire him for like a year? Because of the scandal, yeah. Yeah, then they, then they rehired him. You I know, mean, he's actually a good manager, who would have thought? Probably um, needs to cheat, who would have thought? Right. Altuve needed to cheat. He's a bum. Yeah, that whole series, <laughs> that whole series was fun. Um, Carlos Beltran got the short end of the stick, never managed a game in Major League Baseball. Uh, even though he was like a he was he was the side piece to that operation, and he was Alex Cora. Um, so that's so that's great. Um, and that's never got him to manage a single game, but uh, nonetheless, uh, again, like I said, you know Boston's been better than we thought, and uh, you know, Joe, I want to wrap it up again. The NCAA continues to fail and fail and fail and fail. Oh, what was that? Um, and fail. And fail. Uh, this week, they managed to mess up the women's golf tournament, uh, which was in, I believe, either the Elite Eight or the Sweet Sixteen, and they were going to play, and the golf course uh, was deemed playable, but not championship playable. Now, I don't know what the difference of that is. I was told the golf course took up to seven inches of rain. Okay, so, okay, 
common minds would think, great, you can't play there. Let's go find somebody else to play. No, the NCAA just said the tournament's done. So Barstool Sports stepped up and said, hey, we've got a course out in Scottsdale, Arizona. We've got hotels. As long as the NCAA says this will not affect eligibility for these players moving down the road, come on down. We'll pay for it all. And again, it's another great thing. The other issue with the NCAA is with the uh, lacrosse tournaments, the NCAA tournaments, both men and women, they limited the roster size on the sideline to 45 in Division I. I believe, actually, that was across the board. And then at 11.30 at night, Mark Emmerich was like, oh, we're going to bump it up to 52. But, A, all seven have to be vaccinated. And, B, like, your team left already. Like, it's one of those things that was like kind of like, a, oh, I did it. I did. But, no, you didn't. You did it too late. Like, and they didn't do it at the Division two or three level. So, you're like, where where does it make sense? Where does the NCAA draw the line in continuing to make mistakes? You thought maybe the weight room thing at the women's college basketball tournament might be a wake-up call that somebody would get fired or somebody would wake up. Apparently not. And then they just continue this whole na- name, image, likeliness. They continue to screw up. Everything they touch seems to, instead of turn to gold, turns to poop. And that seems to be the way they like to roll it. That's the end of my rant for today. Uh, Jolan, episode 48. Uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram, both at the same handle, at Goose on the Mic. Um, look for some fun and exciting stuff. Check out my radio show, uh, Saturdays at 1215. That's a, that's a lot of fun. Reach out reach out to me for more information on that. Jolan, where might the people be able to find you and the podcast? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GoodOldJoles, and you can follow our podcast on Twitter at PodcastAiredOut and Instagram at Airedout.podcast. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, always feel free to reach out. Tobel, I'm sorry again, brother. Yeah, I kind of love seeing that, though, because, I mean, you know, I can tell he's listening, you know, and he, he remembers the I spot. I he's pissed. He's, he <laughs> remembers the spot in the podcast and where we talked about it. So, again, we're trying to get him in the studio, Moldner in the studio, and we want to see fisticuffs. That's really what we no want to see. No actual heading, but we want to see some competitiveness. <laughs> that's what that's what Jolan says. But, uh, nonetheless. You can tell uh, I've grown up, huh? <laughs> Jolan, until episode 49. Put it in the books. <laughs>